This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Well, guys, I'm so glad that you came into counseling today. I think this is going to be great for, for all of us. I want you both to know that this is a safe place. Don't think of this so much as a room for counseling. Think of it as an airport terminal. We're going on a trip to destination happiness. But before we board the plane, we've got to drop off our baggage. Bag check. No carry-ons, okay? So I invite you to pull your notes out for today's message if you'd like to do that. Today I'm going to be talking about why can't we all just get along? Wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all just get along all of the time? That would take care of all the wars in the world, it would take care of all the crime. You know, we wouldn't need any military, wouldn't, wouldn't need any any police force, uh, wouldn't that be incredible? We wouldn't have any divorce going on, we wouldn't have any abuse going on. So much more, it would all be taken care of if we all just got along, but we don't. And so we have to learn how to live with and deal with the situation as it really is, not as we wish it would be. Which is why we're kind of in this series that we've entitled Fix It because there's some stuff that needs to be fixed in our lives. And, and what we're talking about specifically is not fixing uh, the stuff of the world, like our cars or our, you know, our houses or whatever, our possessions. We're talking here about fixing our relationships. The most important thing that we have in life is our relationships. They are so easily broken and they're tough to repair. And so we wanna talk about uh, things like that uh, about how important it is and how we can fix our relationships. I think most people instinctively know that we need relational uh, healing to take place amongst us as people because, you know, you can own all of the stuff that the world has to offer to you, but if you don't have relationships with anybody, if you have no one to share that with, all that stuff is meaningless. It doesn't fulfill your life. The only thing that really fulfills your life are relationships. You've got to have relationships. And if relationships are going to be the priority of your life, you're going to have to learn how to handle them when they aren't going well. Because you will go through times in your life when your relationships will not go well. The people you work with, you're not going to get along with sometimes. Uh, your boss, you're not going to get along with sometimes. Uh, your neighbors, you may not get along with. Uh, even within your family, the kids may not get along with mom and dad and vice versa. And, and certainly between married couples, there are times that we don't always see eye to eye and we don't always get along. And we have to learn how to handle those times in victory as believers. Now, I think as, as, I, as I just see it in the world today, there is a, a cry from the heart of people all over the world today for peace. Do you, do you feel that? People are crying. They, they, they want peace among nations. We're tired of all the war. We, we want peace... Uh, 
at work because there's so much conflict going on. We want peace in Washington, D.C. Oh, good luck. You get so tired of watching the news because of what you see constantly going on between, oh, the parties. Just makes me sick. We, we want peace in our families. We want peace in our marriages. Mostly what people want and need is peace in their heart. They need heart peace. But they don't have it, and because they don't have it, that causes a lot of tension, which produces broken relationships. It would be wonderful if everybody got along, but broken relationships hurt our ability to get along. So we don't. As nations, we don't get along. As individuals, sometimes we don't get along. Here's what the Bible teaches us. I want you to have a, a faith about this because I believe it's, it's not too far off. One day, we're going to all get along. The Bible tells us about a time when Jesus Christ is coming back to earth to establish what the Bible calls his millennial kingdom. The word millennial simply means 1,000 year. So a 1,000 years of his rule and reign upon this planet until he reestablishes everything completely with a new heavens and a new earth after that. But during this period of time called the millennial reign of Christ, when Jesus is, is in charge of everything, it's going to be an incredible time of peace. It's going to be an incredible time of people getting along. In fact, the Bible says that we're going to we're going to change our instruments of war and turn them into instruments of peace and benefit towards all mankind. That's going to happen. Hearts of people is going, are going to be changed. But until that day, we have got to learn how to get along in the world that we live in with the cards that we've been dealt right now. And, and, and there are two areas, there's so much we could cover in this, but just in the time we have, there are two areas of relational life where we need to get along most as human beings. They've got to be our priority. And the first one I, I would give to you is this, our relationships within our families. This is so critical relationships within our families, because if this is broken, our ability to have relationship out with other people is greatly hindered. Now, this is such a huge topic, it's way too big for me to be able to talk about in detail all the aspects of family relationships. But in, in light of what we're talking about in this series, I want us to focus on the family relationship that's called marriage, the relationship between a husband and a wife. Do you know, according to researchers, the top five reasons couples divorce are number one, a lack of commitment. A lack of commitment. There's a lack of commitment to, to either marriage as an institution itself or to the saving of a struggling marriage. People just don't have the will to put forth the effort to save a marriage that's in trouble. I read recently, and it just, it's just so tragic, for the first time in American history, the majority of young people who are getting married no longer expect that they will spend the rest of their life with the person that they're marrying. We have that little phrase in there, to death do us part, but very few take that seriously. And, and you know, with everything that's coming against our marriages and our lives together as husband and wives, 
If you don't have a belief that you're gonna hang together for a lifetime anyway, what chance do you really have that your marriage is going to last for a lifetime? The reality, it isn't. We have got to have a commitment to our, our lives together because there will be times that our emotions will rip us apart. We've got to have a commitment to something bigger than emotions, is what I'm saying. But the number one reason for, for, marry, or for divorce today is a lack of that very commitment. A second reason, too much arguing. People don't always see eye to eye, you know that, and that leads to arguments because we're so different. And every marriage is gonna have tension. You're never gonna get into a marriage that has no tension, but when it becomes constant, when that's the theme of what the marriage is like, it's a sign that the couple have either never bonded into one or have grown distant and lost their, their oneness as a couple. And either way, they lose what the Bible says is essential if they're going to have a lasting marriage, the two becoming one. That is critical if you're gonna have a lasting marriage. So getting a divorce then becomes easy because we reason in our hearts, after all, all we're doing is fighting, we're miserable together, we're fighting all the time, there's all this conflict, so why stay together? We might as well divorce, and that's how the world thinks. That is not how God sees it, but that's how the world sees it. And if you're not careful, you'll be influenced by the world's values in this. Number three, selfishness and a lack of communication, which of course can be expressed by always wanting your own way. Are you that kind of person? You always have to have things your own way. Well, the truth is, you're not married very long until you realize that men and women have, diff ha have vastly different viewpoints in, in terms of understanding life and love within life itself. We see things differently. In fact, even within the sexes themselves, not all women perceive life and love the same way, not all men perceive life and love the same way. And so it becomes essential that, that we as, as a couple get to know the heart of one another so that we can begin to understand what is it that causes, in my case, her to, to feel love, to understand that she's loved. What, what is, the, what is the, the language I can speak that would bring that kind of sense of security within her life? It's important for her to know what it is for me as an individual because not all men are the same. And I think it was a few years ago, Pastor Sid, you did a class on this that was called The Five Love Languages, which is a book that's been written and I would recommend that book to you. What it does is it helps you to realize that different people have different ways of understanding love, of accepting love. Not everybody accepts it or receives it exactly the same way. And so it's important for you to understand how your spouse perceives love and therefore be able, in that understanding, to be able to give it to them. And so this, this is something that's out there and I would highly recommend it to you. But people who don't do that, they, they, it ends up breaking up their marriage. Number four is, of course, infidelity. They say that cheating is at the root of 55% of all divorces in America. I was thinking about it, though. The, the thing is, cheating happens 
before cheating happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? Infidelity happens before infidelity happens. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the heart. It begins to happen in the heart long before it ever happens as an action that is played out. And you see it oftentimes by people justifying their, their emotional uh, transition from their spouse to somebody else. And they'll say, oh, well, my relationship with him or my relationship with her is fine because we haven't crossed the line yet. But in reality, you have crossed the line. And that's why Jesus said, you know, if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. That's, he's talking about the heart of an individual. And the same thing would be true of a woman. If a woman is receiving emotional uh, strength and, and uh, encouragement in a way that is, is over the line from another man other than her spouse, that is becoming a danger sign to her that something's taking place emotionally that is not a positive thing and will have terrible, devastating actions or that, that will play out in the, in the days to come possibly. That's why the Word of God tells us in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart more than anything else because all of life springs from the heart. And if you want life to be dominant from you, if you want the power of life flowing for you, you've got to guard your heart. If you don't, what's going to happen is it's going to corrupt into death, into, into destruction in your life, so you gotta guard your heart. The, the fifth reason for divorce in America is marrying too young. According to our government, nearly half of all teenage marriages fail. I was just thinking about that statement when I read it. I think what it really is saying, though, is it's not so much your chronological age, it's your maturity. It's, it's a statement of maturity. I think that what really is important in life is for marriages to last is maturity because people who are emotionally immature usually end up divorced. And I think what characterizes an immature person above everything else would be this one word, selfishness. An immature person is very self-centered once their way is very selfish. Now, the truth is, generally, the younger you are, the more self-centered you are. Maturity takes you out of that if you grow properly. But before that growth takes place, we can, we can have uh, a, a, real, a real self-centered heart. And, and when we do, it leads to relational problems. But I will tell you that I have known I have known senior citizens who never matured out of selfishness, and they themselves were as selfish as they come. So it's not just a matter of chronological age, it's a matter of maturity. Are you, as an individual, maturing into a person who, who cares more about others than you do just about yourself? And, and when you're not, it leads to divorce. Now, Every one of these five issues that I've, I've talked about can lead to conflict in a marriage, and oftentimes they lead then to divorce. You may not in your life deal with all five of those, but the probability is 
you're gonna have conflict over at least one of those issues or, or several of those issues in your relationship with other people and, and most importantly in your relationship with your husband or your wife. And the reason for that is because we are all so different. We are not the same. I think one of the, the speakers this weekend talked about how uh, opposites actually uh, is a good thing. It's a good thing when we are opposite. We, we actually complement one another, you know. And I was thinking about that last evening, how, you know, the saying opposites attract. And, you know, you can, you can take a magnet and everything, and it's the opposite ends of the, the, the polar ends of, the, of a magnet. That will attract, the, when you have the same ends of a magnet, pushes them apart, but the, the opposite pulls them together. And so opposites attract, and that's a good visual and everything. And I think that it is probably true. Oftentimes opposites do attract, but I don't think opposites keep you together. I think to keep together, you have got to learn how to handle what is opposite about you as a couple. Because opposites can actually cause you to, to uh, have greater conflict with one another if you're not really, really careful. Now, I, I would just use America as a nation right now as, a, as an example of that very thing. As a nation, America is tremendously opposite one another. We are very, very diverse as a culture, but we're not handling our diversity very well. You see it on the news, and because of it, it's producing a very divided and weakened nation. Our biggest problem is not our laws, our biggest problem is our heart. And, and when, when we handle our opposites, when we handle our differences rightly, we become stronger. But when we don't handle them well, and I'm not just talking about as a nation, I'm talking about as a family. These things are true in a marriage and a family as well. We are all different and we have different views. We some have different values. If we can handle those differences rightly, it will make us stronger as husband and wife. Carrie and I are definitely different people. We have different giftings, but I am a better man because of her and hopefully she's a better woman because of me. It's because we, we complement one another and the differences, instead of becoming a division point between us, become a point where we bond stronger, more strongly together as a couple. But if we don't handle those differences rightly, we can become vulnerable for, to very destructive behavior. So with that in mind, I want to talk with you this morning about how to get along in your marriage. Now, every one of the, of the five most common reasons for divorce that I mentioned earlier get down to this one thing, handling conflict well, because you will have conflict. Now, this is what I've learned in life just by observation. Success in life is primarily learning how to handle conflict. You gotta learn how to deal with relationships. If you can't do that, you won't go very far. Whether we're talking about business, you better learn how to handle conflict. Whether we're talking about in a church, you better learn how to handle conflict and differences within a body of believers. Whether we're talking about a marriage. It's interesting to me that Jesus said in Matthew 6, excuse me, 18, verses 19 and 20, I tell you that, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you 
by my Father in heaven, for where two or, or, or three come together in my name, there I am with them. And now this is a powerful scripture because it gives us, uh, uh, it gives us a great promise here. It says, man, with two of you come together or three of you come together and you pray together and you agree together, I tell you, it can just... Uh, bring uh, the mighty power of God to play into a situation, and that's, and that's a powerful thing. And, and certainly, uh, preachers like me have used it in gatherings as, hey, Jesus is here. Well, there's, there's more than two or three here, so Jesus is in the house, you know, and, and we can have confidence, and, and that all of that is true. But what I want you to see here, it's not the number of believers gathering that, that brings the power of God that welcomes the presence of God. It's the unity of those people who have gathered together. It's not the number of the people, it's the unity of the people. Look again at verse number 19. If two of you on earth, what? Agree. If you agree, that's what draws God's presence into a church or into a family. When two of you agree, then there's power in prayer. When two of you agree, then there's communion with the presence of Christ because his, he is present there. Now, the word agree, it doesn't mean that you're going to see every issue the same as everybody else. That's not, we're not talking about cookie-cutter Christians here that we all look and think alike. That's not it. There will always be disagreements between people, but it's how you handle the disagreement that's so important. The Greek word actually means harmony. Where there is harmony between people, there Christ is in the middle of it, and there is power in prayer. Now, what does harmony mean? Harmony simply means that we bond in spite of our differences. And so you had a primary example of that earlier in the service where our worship team all played different notes, played uh, different accents on different chords, sang different parts, and yet it sounded beautiful. Why? Because they complemented one another. They weren't all the same note they were all different notes that worked together to give a beautiful picture. That's the harmony that we're talking about here. And that's what Jesus is saying. In our diversity, we treasure unity. We don't allow anything to destroy our unity. When that's the, when that's the truth about a church, Jesus shows up in the house. When that's true about a family, Jesus shows up within the family and with the marriage. So if you want the presence of Jesus to fill your home, you've got to learn how to handle conflict in a way that fulfills what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. All right, I underlined make every effort because it's gonna take effort to do this from time to time. Whether we're talking about your family, we're talking about church, whatever, you've got to put effort into this or it will not work. So with that in mind, I want to offer five suggestions to handing conflict in your family and your marriage. Number one, watch your words. Watch what you say. Proverbs 18, 21, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit you choose. Well, that states it so well. 
the power of our words. So James, the apostle James, writes in chapter three, beginning verse seven, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. And so the apostle Paul says, this is how this becomes practical. Ephesians chapter four, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Watch what you say, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, that it may benefit those who listen. So make sure that how you're speaking to one another within the family is, is guarded by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will control and empower you. I was talking with someone yesterday at the conference and they were talking about how difficult it is sometimes when you've come out of the world to, to talk words of blessing. And I said, that is absolutely true if you do it on your own. If you do it in your own power, you're gonna struggle. When you're out there and all you hear is the garbage that they talk about out there and the words they use out there, you know, and they, they're proud of the words they use. They ought to be ashamed, but they're proud of it. That's the arrogance that we see in the world today. And, you, and you're around that all day long and you say, man, I have a hard time getting that out of my spirit. The, if, if you're just trying to, to clean your mouth up by, by your own strength and power, you won't be able to do it. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, God gives you the ability to overcome what the world has placed within you. Your words have power to remove and resolve a conflict or to escalate that conflict. It, it's, it's within your power by the Spirit. And, and that's why I just want to say that I personally believe that God gives us the ability to pray in tongues when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit because through this great power, this most unruly member, that what James was talking about, this unruly member that nobody can control, the Holy Spirit of God begins to control something that you cannot control because you are now under God's power and he gives you the ability to overcome destructive speech. So don't let anger control your tongue. You say, well, how am I supposed to handle anger then? Let me give it to you real quickly. First of all, don't express your anger because that just destroys. Now, I will tell you that there is a, a holy way, a righteous way to handle anger, but most of us don't do that. We, we do it in ways that leave people just a, a bloody mess when we're done. So you don't express your anger. You don't, secondly, repress your anger because that boils up within you, and I don't care whether you have an expressive personality or you're more of an ingrown person eventually, that can explode. What do you do? Thirdly, you confess it. You admit it to God. You tell him and give, ask him to give you the power to overcome that. 
the Lord will answer your prayers. Okay, number two, don't try to win all the time. This is so contrary to our culture. American values winning to a fault. Uh, a man by the name of Henry Sanders back in 1950, he was the, the head football coach for the UCL, UCLA Bruins back at that time, and, and he made a statement that now has become very, very famous, and the statement was, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. And you have probably heard that statement before, and I would tell you that that may work well on the football field, but it does not work well in a marriage that you have to win all the time. God says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. I underline that part. In other words, don't try to win over everybody. So that's not just the way that we treat other people in the body of Christ, it's the way we're supposed to treat one another in our families as well. So when you're trying to win the argument all the time, what you're really doing is trying to control especially your spouse, at any cost. And the price might be pretty high at some point. So you, you better not try to win all the time. So let me just say, if, you, if you're the person that maybe you have in, in, in your family, you have the dominant personality, don't use that part of your personality to try to control your spouse or try to devalue them. Don't try to win all the time. Number three, Admit you might be wrong. Now, I will tell you, when I was younger, I used to think that I had to be right all of the time to have any value. That's how I saw myself. So I'd push my view, my way of thinking on, on other people. It made me feel like I had value, because I was right. I'm right. And when we got married, I carried that kind of attitude into our marriage thinking that I had to be right all the time, like, like it was my job in the marriage to be right. I'm supposed to be right. Really, it was a problem with my own self-worth and conceit and pride. That's what it was. It, it was, I had a problem of, of um, poor self-image. And so to compensate, I tried to dominate. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm totally healed from that. I will tell you it's a work in progress. But I'm not what I was. What I was hurt our marriage. I had to learn that sometimes I was wrong and be willing to admit it. And that even if I didn't know everything and wasn't right all the time, I still had value. Trying to act right all the time is really just cover for poor self-esteem. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Wow. Number four, make sure your marriage takes priority in your life. What I mean by that is don't do or say anything that would cause your spouse to think that you regret getting married in the first place or let, that you're looking for a way out. That, of course, causes insecurity in a relationship and will damage your future. 
You've got to keep your marriage as a prize worth fighting for, and I'm going to talk about that in greater detail next week. But Jesus said in Mark 10, 9, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So even if you disagree at points in your marriage, agree together that nothing is going to split apart what God has put together. Amen? All right. And then number five, pray together about everything because it's hard to have a bad attitude towards someone when you're praying with them or for them. If you say, boy, I need to get a better attitude towards, my, towards somebody, just start praying for them. God, that'll give you a better attitude towards them. Learn to pray together. Ephesians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, I want to give you a second relationship that you need to get right in your life. It's, that's so important. Your relationship with God. I said earlier that it seems to me that people are crying out for peace. I see it all over the world. Why can't we all just get along? We're sick of the violence. We're sick of the hatred. We're sick of the division. But the problem isn't really division or hatred. That may sound odd to you, but really that's a symptom. The real problem is the sin that has separated us from God. And because we're separated from God, we're separated from one another. But God offers us a way back. That's who Jesus is. That's why he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's, it, what's he mean by the way? I'm the way back. I'm the way back to God. In chapter 3, verse 16 of John, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What that's saying is that God loved you so much that he found a way to get you back to him. And maybe you're, you're sitting here today and you're kind of feeling to yourself, I'm too far gone. There's nothing that I can do now. I'm beyond hope. I'm beyond help. I just want to tell you that's not true. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at Life Church Utah dot com.